0: It's a peaceful protest. We're walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you got to you got to listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard.
1: People are going to look back. Our kids are going to look back at this and say, you were a part of that. I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the 60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We got to keep pushing
2: forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports
0: presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison.
1: Forward Progress. We are here. We are together. And it's been a minute. Where you been,
2: Morrison? What the hell? (laughs) Hey, man, Jax, great great to be back with you. Uh, You know, football season is here. Training camps, uh, been throughout a couple places throughout the NFL. Got a chance to see some players, see, uh, you know, sat down with Aaron Rodgers uh, last Wednesday, which is our normal day that we tape – uh, for progress. So I've been around the I'll be, NFL. I'll be
1: bummed for that. That's okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's
2: I said, you know what? I had to take a, a picture with the uh, future hall of famer, Jack. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I said, man, if, I, I have a show that I normally do on Wednesdays. Okay. Aaron. Um, but I had to tell them, I'm going to be back next week because I got to come all the way here to come sit down with you. And so he was like, Hey, all right, man. Well, he's giving his, uh, He's giving his thoughts to us to say, hey, man, appreciate you guys bar- letting um, letting him borrow me for an interview, I guess, if that if that Very works. Strong. So, Very yeah, strong. I'm glad to be here back with you, though, Jax, man. I did miss you, man, because uh, a, lot, a lot's been going on over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, definitely, you know, it's, it's things that you see. And I'm like, man, I know me and Jax would love to talk about that. So we well, know back. it's
1: all coming and we'll get to <laughs> a couple of biggies uh, as yeah. uh, Trevor Bauer is in this uh, permanent restraining order, uh, hearing, which right. is just the tip of the iceberg of the issue he is in. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. And then also, a little bit later in the program, um, foot and mouth disease, a little different these days, isn't it? Oh, man. Foot well, in, not foot and. Yeah. Yeah. Foot,
2: foot in, in mouth. mouth, yes.
1: I, I, I'm lost at, at the barbarianism that still remains in the subconscious of of who I perceive to be really good people. Yeah. And unfortunately, Jack Morris, the Hall of Famer, broadcaster for the Tigers, uh, is in the news for that very issue. We'll deal with that and him a little bit later in the program. Coming up in a little bit, it's a family affair today. (laughs) Yeah. As uh, your brother joins us, tell the folks a little bit about the most important Aaron you'll be talking about (laughs) on this
2: show. I'm excited to have my brother on. Um, just because I, I've known uh, what he's been doing over the last, I would say, five, six years. Um, mm-hmm. He got in as a journalist and, uh, you know, the, the early part of the grind of a journalist, right? Getting opportunities, writing for different papers, writing for different publications, and to see his, his, his rise through, um, through journalism into now of giving him opportunities uh, to even teach, uh, at universities. Uh, I'm excited to have him on. And the thing is, he's been a social justice warrior. He's been a guy who's had boots on the ground. He was there, you know, in Minnesota after George Floyd, he's been there with Amart Arbery's parents down in Georgia. He's been all over the place. And, you know, we've had these conversations and I'm saying, why haven't I had my own brother on for progress? I'm like, well, this is, what this has taken far too long, but, the issues that we talk about it's 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 he has a different perspective because he was there he has been there he's spoken to these people and it's one thing for us to have uh, our opinions or how we feel or we can discuss the situation but it's different when you hear his perspective of talking to the people that it truly truly affected that were close to these people you know what i mean it's one thing that we're out in our homes jacks and we talk about it but it wasn't a family member, wasn't a close friend. It affected us in a different way. But to see those closely affected, and the work that he's been doing, and telling those stories, and getting that message out, um, I just said, man, far too long. I don't know why we haven't had him on. So I can't wait to have my brother on today. We're putting him in
1: the hot spot. We'll put him right in the middle <laughs> of the show. Twenty minutes plus of dialogue mm-hmm. with Aaron Morrison coming up in just a little bit. Uh, but you, this news is happening right in your backyard. Uh, with one of the best in the game, and and that's on the field. Um, as it pertains to um, what's happening off the field for Trevor Bauer, let's get into it. Uh, there's a woman who is requesting a permanent restraining order against Bauer, and they're in um, as we're taping this, heading to their third day of restraining order hearings.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Tell me man. the
1: last person. You know, who's had more than, you know, like an hour of getting that squared away in court. Right. And that just may be something that's different in this case. Um, so that's not to make light of it. Correct. Um, but um, on Tuesday, when they were in their second day, um, she explained um, uh, why she waited six weeks to file her request following a, a violent encounter with Bauer, she alleges. And, and this is so challenging because it is her word versus his word. This is why so many victims don't come forward. Right. Um, but um, kudos to ESPN and many of the news agencies. They're going by what you should do many times in these cases. They're not releasing her name. And so I don't even have it available to me. Um, so when I refer to her as the woman, it's not out of disrespect. Right. It's, it's out of respect, actually. Um, but says that she last saw Bauer on May 17th. And that... Um, you know, didn't obtain the temporary restraining order against him until late June, uh, which is a 43 day gap that Bauer's attorneys just laid into. Um, which, listen, they're trying to protect the client. They're going to find whatever hole they can try to jump Absolutely. into. Absolutely. And um, his attorneys have highlighted and their attempts to prove that she didn't require a restraining order in the first place. As part of her testimony on Tuesday, however, the woman told her attorney that she waited because a detective from Pasadena, California, told her on two separate occasions uh, that Bauer would be arrested. And as we all know, that hasn't happened. What? What's the, Let's just go, you're there, you're, you're in yeah. the backyard there. Um, what's the vibe on all of this right now?
2: Well, I think when you hear the name Trevor Bauer, you think of you know, one of the great pitchers in baseball, Jax. That, that's the that, that's, that's given, right? He's Cy Young Award winner of last year, all-star, um, golden spikes. I mean, everything that you want, you know, just national pitcher of the year in college. I think everything that you want to know about a player, it's Trevor Bauer in terms of the accolades as, as a pitcher. But then this is the conversation I know a couple of my colleagues and I had. And Jax, you can help me fill this out. Good people and good players, right? We've all been around, I think, good players. Are you like, or great players, great. But it's truly when you are around them, you're like, wow, he is actually good people. Right. I don't know Trevor Bauer. I've never met Trevor, Trevor Bauer. But when you start to look at, the dynamic of such a great player you want to keep him held down like you want to make sure that he is not leaving our organization Trevor Bauer for one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball is on his fourth team his fourth team and for sometimes you don't look into it as much but now as we start to analyze his situation of where he's at canal currently and what he's got going on you look back on what happened in Cleveland? What happened in Cincinnati, right? Well, what happened in Arizona? Right now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. what happened? But I think that, look, yeah. we know baseball. You can make things happen. Trust me. If there's a will. There's a way. They'll find the money. They'll find something. You keep good players around. But then I think what happens is, is it—is it worth the risk? Did teams see something with him that, wow we love the player but is the risk far more than the reward and now you look at the situation that he's in currently and it is tough for an athlete it is tough for an athlete because i don't know what necessarily happened between those two but what i'm reading uh, a little disturbing it's a little disturbing
1: being kind yeah it's 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 staggering um Bauer hasn't been arrested or charged. Correct. The Pasadena Police Department's criminal investigation has been ongoing for three months. Major League Baseball is conducting a separate investigation. Bauer is on a ministry administrative leave away from the Dodgers, and we're moving into our second month of that. Right. Um, they're not going through nothingness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Correct. There, there, there's... Listen, Bauer's attorneys have strongly denied the sexual assault allegations made by the alleged victim. Um, And like you said, listen, people can Google and go through these details. They're they're gory. And and I I don't fear them, and I'm not protecting Bauer. I'm being mindful of who's listening. Correct. In in this bit of restraint.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't tell people how to live their life, Jax. But I'm more or less looking at, was this something that's been a pattern that people have known about within this team, right? Is this something that is uh, behavior that others have probably known about and then kind of let go? I think we see it in football. We see it in basketball where players switch teams a lot. But a lot of times it's because the situation, the fit, it didn't work. Obviously, money comes into a, a lot of it.
1: Yeah. but big, also
2: big, too big money, big money but also too it's a lot of the off the field situations i mean I, I see it or off the court i mean i see it in football a lot i'm like why is that player why are they getting rid of that player because he doesn't fit necessarily with the ideas of how the culture of that team is set up and so i don't know if trevor has the is a fit for the culture for what some people and in baseball you can be standoffish you could be to your own but now what's his issues have now cast sort of a little dark cloud over the team now. And my, my, my thing is, how do you come back from this? This has been something that's been lingering all year long, and we're all watching it. He was supposed to be the prize possession for the Dodgers that get them back to a World Series and, and win it again this year for back-to-back. And now, you know, the story is not about Trevor Bauer, the pitcher. It's about Trevor Bauer, the person.
1: I mean, Tatis is getting pulled in this now. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe Mike uh, Clevenger. Yeah. His name has been pulled in this. Um, There are text messages with this lady and Bauer's family with friends who are tied to other players. It doesn't look good on either side. Correct. And usually in cases where there's reasonable activity, and not this serial activity, which could be the case here as much as the other. Um, it's a connective circle. Right. And I a kid all the time, and I'm hesitant to even do this, but I think it gives context that I'm constantly blown away at the 450 men I cover in the association. Mm-hmm and about a hundred women that tend to be a part of that existence. Yeah. I mean, wait, there, there's a whole world out here. There's a <laughs> whole world with a lot of different, wonderful beings, both inside and out. Why do I keep seeing the same
2: 100 women in this circle?
1: It <laughs> happens.
2: That's a conversation. That we'll, we, we can have that conversation <laughs> off here. That, that's I, a, <laughs> I've, got, I've got answers yeah. <laughs> for that conversation that, that's, a, that's
1: a different here. dynamic. And this is yeah. starting to work into this storyline but i will say this um, kudos to those individuals who live in your area um mm-hmm. who are part of you know doing the things that needed to get done the sexual assault response team right. exam, um making sure that this space is a place that is available um well, listen I, if, if it all comes out that all of this stuff was aggressive and and unwanted and Beyond uh, reasonable activity and becomes criminal, Bauer's going to be run ground. That's happening. Right. Right. Um, I, I just, it's, it's, well, I don't wish I, this on either side and on anyone. Is the point. Yeah.
2: I, I don't want to throw you for a curveball here, Jax, but I also could say the same thing that I'm seeing in the NFL as well with Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. Right. Think about it Trevor Bauer and Deshaun Watson are two of their, two of the best in their respective sports right Deshaun Watson quarterback of the Houston Texans Trevor Bauer pitcher of the Los Angeles Dodgers but yet they have these off-field situations that have disturbing right disturbing information that has come out that we're trying to and you don't want to pick a side or choose a side which a lot of times that's what's been happening like who do you believe more do you believe player or do you believe a person or incident and having to play that out, I think, has been difficult for a lot of people because so many people love the player and the athlete, but this is where you draw the line. This is where we have to say, OK, I'm, I'm not looking at player. I have to look at person. I have to look at what is going on, what's the situation and how can this situation be cleared up or what what what's, what's next for this person? Because this isn't this isn't about sport anymore. And that's what I think not only Bauer but also thrown in Deshaun Watson's name is that two guys are in the balance right now because of what has been done off the field, off the court.
1: Let's take a quick break. Turn gears entirely. We'll keep an eye on this. This isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Um, man, what a crazy story to follow. Um, but we will. We'll turn our attention to some of the great work about diversity and making sure all of the numbers and programs align uh, with the great lecturer who is the brother of kirk morrison aaron will join us on the other side stay right there
2: you're listening to forward progress on sirius xm radio
1: More progress continues, a historical moment on the program. It's a two-on-one break. I don't know if i got to check ball or just get to the rim. <laughs> um, but uh, it is a pleasure to welcome to the program Aaron Morse, a brother of Kirk. And uh, we'll stop all that sibling uh, uh, hierarchy stuff, Aaron. You're, you're the lead dog today. All right? That's oh, the way that's going to be. Uh, no, he, he's he's,
0: he's a tough act to follow. I, I, I am so proud to be his brother and so proud of him.
1: That is, that is beautiful and sweet. And I hope my brother's listening. Uh, <laughs> it that's the same approach and desires. Usually, Aaron, it's my job to set us up. I'm getting out the way. Kirk, introduce us to your brother and uh, uh, and start our conversation. If
2: wow. Okay. Well, appreciate it, Jax. Uh, by okay. the way, um, see, this is why I do. I am jealous of my brother because um, he's still holding on to the hair follicles that our father <laughs> did not. Pass along to us so if you see me I'm a little uh, yeah my, my hair is gone Aaron still has a little he, he's still got some stuff going on but yeah, we know it's, it's in it's time just yeah. all it is is envy Aaron don't worry it's just envy and jealousy <laughs> No, <laughs> but honestly Aaron you know one of the things that we do here for Progress is we talk about what's going on in terms of current events and in terms of uh, social justice the fight for social justice equality and all those things and It's been great for me as a brother to watch you and how you've started your career in journalism and then now being kind of the boots on the ground in terms of the fight for social justice. So that's where I wanted to start that right there is just first where you where you started at and then let's get into the places that you've been over the last couple of years and what you've seen and what me and Jax we call the awakening of America with the death of George Floyd.
0: Right, well, I mean, first of all, thank you uh, both for, for having me. It, you know, it's a, a complete honor to, to be able to talk about uh, this, and, and it's really a, a, a duty uh, to do this work. Um, you know, I started out knowing I wanted to be a, a writer and a journalist when I was you know, probably 14 or 15, um, went to college, a declared journalism major, um, and thought I was just gonna do like you know, general news, out there, you know, covering city councils and school boards and things like that. And I've done those things. But, um, you know, I got to a newspaper in New Jersey in in, uh, 2014. And, you know, um, I was covering just the local towns in, in this area. And Michael Brown got killed. And immediately I said, well, this, this story is more than just a local police shooting. This is clearly developing into to something that's going to add and, and see, a, uh, see the growth of a movement. Um, but I knew that the local paper I worked for uh, would not send me to Ferguson, uh, to St. Louis to, to cover that story. Um, so I kind of made it a goal of mine at, at that moment um, in, in 2014. I said, the next, whatever job I have next, it's going to be covering this movement, covering what we're seeing, a new generation's civil rights movement which of course many people would call, you know, Black Lives Matter or the Movement for Black Lives. So um, I, I made that goal, set that goal, and you know, uh, haven't looked back since. I've, I've been uh, able to work in several newsrooms um, where I've, you know, I've been um, at the forefront of documenting this history. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's traumatizing to, to have so many examples to show um, how far we have to go in this country. Um, to to really achieve equality and equity um, for for black people and for for other people of color. But certainly, um, it, like I said earlier, it's just it's an honor and a duty to do this work. Um, and currently, I do that work at the Associated Press as a national race uh, and ethnicity writer.
1: To that very point, Aaron Morrison, writer and uh, now lecturer with us here <laughs> on forward progress. Tell us about this new opportunity you have and what you're hoping to impart upon these uh, soon-to-be universal minds.
0: Right. So uh, this fall, actually a week from today, I start teaching a class called Reporting on Race. Um, and it's going to be for journalism students at the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism. Um, and that's here. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually in um, the AP offices in New York City, but the the campus is also, the, the school is also here in New York City. So I'll be uh, starting... Uh, 14 weeks, 14 full weeks of of, of instruction and and just really um, hoping to create um, a new crop of journalists that can responsibly cover race. What we know, um, you know, about how media um, has covered communities of color, especially how they've covered um, black folks. It's just been harmful for so long. Uh, And it's only starting to get better now, uh, I think, as a result of, you know, um, the awakening that we saw with the death and and murder of George Floyd Um, so you know it's really an opportunity to just make sure that that the next generation or next crop of journalists that are joining newsrooms in the near future um they they go in understanding better uh you know these are the 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 pitfalls uh this is this is how the majority white uh you know, press corps got it wrong in the '60s and the '50s, and even before that, and and even uh, recently, uh, this is how they got it wrong. And, and we're, I'm just trying to steer them away from uh, those traps. That, um, quite honestly, um, you know, it, it it affects the amount of trust that our communities have in the press, in the media, to actually get things right, to actually accurately reflect what's going on in in, in our uh, in our world. So that's, that's the, that's the goal. That's the job. Um, and yeah, I, I, I need all the luck I can get.
2: <laughs> you know, Aaron, I think one of the things too, is I've, I've been delighted to hear and, and read a lot of your work in terms of being there with the boots on the ground, but to talk with the people who are most affected, mm-hmm. talk with the the families, the parents. And I remember we had that conversation, about Ahmad Arbery and speaking with his mom and being close to the people who have had to deal with this every single day. I think outside of it, we deal with it, but we're able to kind of turn the page and move on to something else where these families who have to deal with that, that, that pain, that, that story every single day, what was the, the biggest takeaway in doing that and being so close to those families?
0: Uh, I think the biggest takeaway is that, um, you know, th- these folks are, uh, they didn't ask for this. <laughs> you know, so often they they uh, are thrust into the national spotlight, sometimes an international spotlight, Wow. Um, you know, around, I mean, think about George Floyd's family, you know, were it not for the way that things played out, you know, um, in the last year, this family would be completely anonymous. We wouldn't know who they are. Um, So imagine that being true for your family, for you, and then all of a sudden it changes overnight. Uh, And then for an entire year, almost an endless barrage of attention, of requests from journalists, uh, of, of people wanting something from you, wanting you to represent and become a symbol for something much larger, something that you've never trained for, something you've never prepared for, something that quite honestly, most people don't get any sort of coaching on. Um, they're, they're asked to become public spokespeople for the, the plight of, of black folks or brown folks or people of color. And um, you know, is it an unfair burden? It always is uh, on, on these families. Um, but what I think we, uh, where we make mistakes often, uh, particularly in the media, um, is we parachute in, we get our story, we talk to this family one time, and then we parachute out or, or fly out and, and never follow up and never check in with them. And, and I think part of the success of my career documenting uh, what's going on with, um, you know, the movement for Black Lives with these families is that I'm not, you know, come around every once and again, you know, or, or you know, you're going to hear from me again. You know, I, I regularly check in with George Floyd's brother who lives here in, uh, in New York City. Uh, one of, one of his brothers. Um, and it's important because if I'm someone who's trying to document this accurately, um, I need to have access that others, you know, don't have. And the way you get that access is to develop a relationship, is to, to, to go to the barbecue, even if you're not, if, even <laughs> if you're not there to to do a story, you know, just, just show up and be present and, and actually. Uh, demonstrate that you you are there because you care. You have compassion. You you're gonna you're gonna do your job as a journalist and and and, and, and elevate truth and, and report the facts. But you're also there because you recognize that there is, um, you know, a, a larger purpose for making sure that this this stuff is is uh, is on the record and and goes down in the history books.
1: Aaron Morrison, Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson. Here on forward progress, Aaron, take us inside the newsroom over the last year or so. How has, how have things changed in the sense of getting everybody on board, particularly from from management, editorial management, into telling these stories that maybe two years ago nobody had room for, didn't have interest in.
0: Well, I mean, it, 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 it's true that you know George Floyd changed everything. Um, and that and that has been true in newsrooms. There, there are lots of newsrooms that now have full-blown standalone um, race teams. Uh, and these teams are out covering and surfacing stories about race in America. Um, but sometimes what happens is they newsrooms will establish these race teams and then expect the race team to do literally every race story. So, you know, I generally cover the intersection of race and justice. but. You know, just last week or a couple of weeks ago, I was writing about Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and um, the, the added pressure that black women feel outside of the sports arena. So the, the, let's not forget that these two women, incredible athletes, f- you know, phenomenal at the top of their game and having to withstand the pressure of being on the world stage in that way. Um, and and, and all the expectations that come with that. But then when they go home, you know, unlike Michael Phelps, who when he puts up his, his, uh, you know, swimming goggles, he doesn't go back to health disparities in their community, police brutality in their community, um, uh, economic disparity, you know, in their community, um, maternal uh, mortality rates being higher. Um, All of these issues that Black women have to... uh, you know, deal with black communities have to deal with um, that uh, that other athletes you know would not understand. So uh, I, I gave that example to just say it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have um, a commitment from a lot of newsrooms to do more uh, stories and coverage about race and how that uh, plays out in in all all the arenas. Um, but what we really need to do is be to to train up you know white journalists and and other journalists of color um, to make sure that they are literate in covering race as well. Uh, Because it it shouldn't be that you just call in Aaron (laughs) uh, to to do every one of these stories. You should have a a sports reporter on your staff who can cover the intersection of race and sports.
2: You know, Aaron, where is that um, dynamic heading when you talk about sports and race and social justice? We talk about it a lot here on Ford Progress. And it seems that Everything is kind of we're in a space right now where there isn't a hard pressing topic. There isn't a hard pressing national story that everybody wants to put the microphone in an athlete's face right now. There's little other stories that we've had in the past, but there isn't that one that now grabs everyone's attention. And we want a, we want a sound right now. What must the athlete do you think in terms of continuing to bring the message and get the message across that we are where we need to be at?
0: Well, I, I think athletes, um, it's kind of interesting that you, you asked this particular question because I think what just came out with the census is, is really interesting. The census actually uh, showed that the number of people, the, the new census data that was just released uh, right. late last week, um, that data shows that um, the number of people identifying as multiracial have, has more than doubled since uh, 2010. That means we're talking about, I mean, in in the sports context, we're talking about um, tons of athletes who will make it to uh, the professional leagues, having much more complicated identities than we're used to. Uh, And so you may find that whereas, you know, for Colin Kaepernick or or others, it was easy for them to come to the mic um, and and really affirm um, um, one identity over the other or, um, one race or, or ethnicity over, over another and and, and uh, speak out about those issues, it's going to become a lot more complicated because people, uh, their identities are, are a lot more com- complex now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to be true. I mean, uh, um, even when you think about it, you know, most, a lot of athletes are pretty young people. Um, the number of people identifying as multiracial under the age eight, 18 grew by 2.1 million between, uh, 2010 and, and 2020. So we're also talking about a very diverse, complex, complicated uh, group of people rising up, and and um, and when I say rising up, they're growing up, and they're going to become um, the ones who lead these discussions about um, race, identity, social justice, racial injustice, um, and and so I think um, I guess to answer your, your, your original question, it, it's, it's really, we got to do more listening, um, and, and, and get away from our expectations of what these athletes should be saying, um, because they may shock us and they may have a, a completely different approach, um, to what identity and race means, you know, in, in, uh, 10 years from now. Um, and, uh, it's important that those of us in the media where, uh, you know, we're knowledgeable and, and literate uh, in these areas to to, to to really bring context and, and especially the, the important historical context around racial identity in, in America, but also around the world, um, so that we're not, you know, falling on, you know, those tired old tropes of, you know, uh, black ath- athlete must speak about, you know, police brutality. You know, um, a, a Hispanic athlete must um, talk about immigration reform. Um, I think it's going to become a lot more complicated than that um, and more complex, and, and it's actually a good thing that, it, that it's going to get that way.
1: Write a reporter, Aaron Morrison, with us here on forward progress. and Give us something else that jumped off the page for you from the census. Uh, really awesome empirical data about diversity in America.
0: Well, um, you know, people... Um, have known for a while that, that African-Americans, uh, Black folks in this country, were about 13% of the U.S. population. Uh, based on the new numbers, we're now about 12.4%. And that seems like we're shrinking, but it's actually, it, it, it's a more of a reflection that there are people, again, identifying as multiracial. So they are Black in combination with, you know, uh, a lot of other identities. So, um, and and the same is true for the white population. So there were some headlines and some scary headlines, you know, that went out last week. People were saying, "Oh, the white population is is is, is shrinking in, in America." And, and when you really peel back the layers, first of all, you need to to uh, identify or establish what do you mean when you say white, um, because it can mean several different things to to different people, um, you know. The census, and that not to get all nerdy in and into the weeds on this, but the census actually, <laughs> you know, does you know have a category of like people who identify as white alone and black alone and, and other categories, um, and so those folks identifying as white alone and black alone, it's actually shrinking, and there are more people, as we've talked about already, are are uh, checking a second box or even a, a third box um, as part of their identity, and um, and so. Again, I think that's, that's going to change um, you know, how, how we, we think and, and talk about racial identity. But what's more, most important about what has come out of the 2020 census is, is you know, how it's going to change our politics, uh, how it's going to change representation at, at the federal level, um, the number of um, you know, re- districts that are going to be gerrymandered, or, or you know, how your representation is going to change, um, that also affects the number uh, the, the amount of federal funding that you receive for your public schools for things that that are going on in your community so you know when we talk about the census it, it to some people it might sound boring but i'm like no you you got to understand like that is very important data that's coming out and uh, that's 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 talking about um you know uh what it what our society is going to look like in terms of public resources and public goods what that's going to look like for a for the next, uh, next generation or, or two. So, um, and, and, you know, Kirk, we're talking about, you know, the next couple generations, that's, that's, that's like what America's gonna be like for, uh, for your kids. That's, that's why it's important for, uh, for us to understand, um, you know, uh, how, how America is shaping up, how we're uh, dealing with um, the lingering issues of, of systemic racism and social, just, and social injustice um, those things are not going away, even if uh, our identities are becoming more complicated.
2: Well, that's why they got the uncle to, to make sure that he, they can educate them, too, though. They got the uncle. They got Uncle Aaron that can tell them all the stories of what's yeah. going on to educate them. But look, last question, though,
1: sure. Aaron,
2: and I, and I know um, you've been great with your time man. I'm so, so honored to have you on. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned one week from today, you will now be a professor mm-hmm. and you'll be teaching. If you could tell the young Aaron Morrison, who's sitting in that classroom right now, what you know now, but uh, you probably didn't know back then, what would you tell that young Aaron Morrison, who's sitting in that classroom today?
0: Ooh, um, wow, uh, I probably would just say, you know, um, sit tight, hold on. Um, what you what's what's meant for you, what what's meant for your life, what's meant for you to what, what you're supposed to go on and do, it will reveal itself. But just because you don't know right now doesn't mean you're, you know, you're in chaos. That's probably what I would tell the young Aaron. Because I I remember having just a lot of anxiety and insecurity about like, what was I going to go do? You know, um, you know, who would I become? Um, even though I knew I wanted to be a journalist, like, you know, would I win a Pulitzer one day, what did I do, you know, like I wanted to, like, I, I was always always worried about the uh, the glory of it. And, um, and I've, I've kind of like matured uh, a whole lot to know that, you know, if I could go back and tell young Aaron anything, I'd be like, just, just keep on living. <laughs> just, just chill. Uh, oh, You're
1: taking you advice back from about two generations ago. Keep on living. <laughs> That's the best. That, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Aaron, thank you. Really appreciate it. Hope you'll come back. Yes, uh, teach us, definitely. not just the, the young Morrisons. Come teach us some things.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, uh, please. Anytime anytime yeah. you want to have me, just, just hit me up. I'm, I'm happy to be there. Uh, this is a, such a pleasure.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, but We'll take a quick break here on Forward Progress. We come back. Analysts of the world. Just because you're affable doesn't mean you're funny. And sometimes what you think is funny isn't. Another example. We come back. Listening to Sirius XM Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Forward Progress continues. It's the Big Brother Morrison and uh, also Firstborn Jackson here uh, on Forward Progress. How cool was that to have your brother on, man?
2: Uh, I think I said, man, it, it was it was uh it's funny because he's always gonna be my little brother. Yeah. Had, like the little brother That's all like, right. door- Yeah, but he I don't apologize for that. Yeah, but he's doing big things, man, and so it's like it's, it's always funny too. Uh, we had this conversation before our off air around our family and said, "Who would ever thought two uh, two kids from Oakland, California would be would, would be in journalism, not? media, not? broadcasting it content?" It's just it's just it, you don't hear those stories enough, and I feel like we are so focused on what we're doing. Jack said we don't tell we, we need to tell more kids in our area that there's more things that you can do outside of playing sports uh, that you can be involved in yeah. uh, and, and really, you know, find a career in that.
1: That can that take directly from the skills right. that you develop being a teammate. That, that's the thing that's awesome. So um, listen, Detroit Tigers television analyst, Jack Morris. I mean, you, you want to talk about one of the best ever Yeah. and Tigers fans are lucky to have him on the telecast. Uh, found himself on Tuesday night having to apologize. I'm only rolling my eyes for the people that are watching (laughs) the video because it's just, this stuff is so avoidable. And here's the thing. I actually believe Jack in this case. Sometimes I call BS, you know, uh, (laughs) but the ease at which we think we're being funny and not be able to take temperature of the room about stuff that we don't say and do anymore. Um, Sometimes gets lost on people. It's lazy. Um, I may want to give a pass, but it's not excusable. Right. Um, and then it's just like, man, I think a bit's not even funny. Like, if you're going to, for a funny bit, go all in. Right? Right. But he said he didn't uh, intend for any offensive, offensive thing on Tuesday night. After using an accent when describing what the Tigers should do when – Atani, who just, again, at the center of this stuff sometimes because of people's ignorance, um, was coming up the bat. So game tied at two, top of the sixth. Um, here comes Atani up. We all know he's from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and his play-by-play partner, Matt Shepard, asks Jack, what do you want to do with Atani in this position, this situation? He said, with an accent, be very, very careful. You can only imagine you try to do some ridiculous Asian right. voice. Um, and before the start of the ninth inning, they come back, quote, and he's got to do the whole apologize. And the apology was almost there. And it's that one little thing where I go, no, nah, you blew it. Now I'm upset. You got to be suspended and learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. Here's the quote. I did not intend for any offensive thing. And I apologize if I did. Why does everyone put in the if I did part if, a, if an executive producer called a coordinating producer and that coordinating producer called the truck? Right. And you were told to apologize. Guess what? There ain't no if about it. Yeah. You were clearly <laughs> offensive. They even have that tone sound, that awareness in Southern Michigan. <laughs> like, come on, man. I mean, this is a five time all star. It's a right. Hall of Famer, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did Tigers games before and stopped and now is back. Um, it's obvious. It, listen, in my humble opinion, we, we'd be talking about if he would be doing games beyond Wednesday, August 18th, as we record this. Right. That That's where this lies. And Jack's going to have to deal with that. I, I, I got a gut feeling that the apology is probably going to be enough. I- unless. Atani comes through and. Has some more to say about it. Anyway, your view.
2: No, it's just, again, we're talking about Shohei Itani and we're not talking about his play on the field. Think about that. One of the best baseball players in Major League Baseball. Maybe the, actually maybe the best player. But, but the I league. was about to say with the fact that he does it both ways. <laughs> right, yes. I, that he can Hitching, sling hitting. It. Oh, yeah. and bang it. <laughs> it's a different he, thing. He, he's doing it all, but we've mentioned him uh, on this program before. And we're never talking about what he's doing on the field. We're talking about the sometime insensitive comments of others off the field,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. The, the trying to navigate or talk about Shohei. He is different. Yes. He is not the normal baseball player. He is not the one that we grew up watching. He is not the one that we have known baseball to have for many, many years. But I would say this, if I'm broadcasting that game, I don't treat Shohei Ohtani no different than any other player. If I'm in that same situation and Ohtani comes up, would I say "be careful"? Probably not. But I will say, I would tell you this: I don't know if I want to pitch to this guy because I know that he's a game record. He can. By the way they game walked game. him, which is yeah, what they, they walked. <laughs> <done. laughs> but you don't have. You to just don't say need that. an
1: Asian accent to try to get that point across.
2: You don't need that. You, you it it's just. If it was any other player, would you use that same reference or same tone, or same joke? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. And so why would you be different with Shohei? And for me, I would make sure I would put added emphasis when I'm doing an O-Tiny game because I want to make sure he gets his just due. He gets what he's earned in terms of the publicity. If someone, if I'm putting myself in a situation, Jax, hey, you know, he coming up to the play. Hey, Kirk, what would you do? I'm going to tell you this. I will look over at my umpire. I mean, I will look over at my my manager and say, what are we doing here? Because this guy can break open this game. I if put up my four him... fingers, which <laughs> means intentional walk. That's what I, would I would just I would just want the fans, I would want the listeners to understand oh, yeah. that I don't have to make a joke about it. I don't have to be, you know, do do something out of the norm. Treat him like he's any out, other and baseball He's player. out of division, so you don't even get to talk right. about him as much as you do. Say you
1: know one of the Cleveland pitchers, or or somebody from Kansas City. I mean, like right. the biggest player in the game. So uh, real quick, because I know we're running up against the end of the program. Right. Um, there's going to be the the text message stuff guys that come through and tweet at us that way. Hey, you can't be funny anymore. You can't have any fun, man. That's not what we're saying. No, not at all. Saying we're we're done with the insensitive Neanderthal thinking, and if you're going to be funny, actually work on a bit that's funny, not Correct. some. Ridiculous nineteen fifty slapstick, ridiculousness that we've grown out of.
2: No, I hear you. I'll, I'll at least make a joke about some food or something. Just say, "Hey, uh, he's coming up to play." What would you do? Well, I would just try to go bring my card and say, "Let's go to dinner," Let's <laughs> do something different, man. Do some out of the out of the norm, but nothing that would be insensitive about him, his culture, his fan base, the communities that he represents, because he is now. Right now, he is the most watched, listened about, talked about player in Major League Baseball. Everything you say about Otani it's on record. It's on people are listening. So you got to watch what you say because he is now he, he is now that player that everyone's grasped their arms around. That you ain't going to mess with our Otani. No, you're not. Mm-mm. That's one of grandma's babies now. Uh-uh, yeah, uh-uh. That's grandma baby boy, there. A special thanks to your brother. Uh, yeah. I
1: hope there's a family listening session this week. It
2: is. I mean, I had to bring along a gift. Coming back yeah. a couple weeks off, I got to bring a gift go. with me. So, appreciate there you it. Go. And also,
1: our boy Brunel with the week off. So, uh, special thanks to Chris Tyler, Daddy to Be, for sitting yeah. in and producing for us. And we have an update Jack Morris has been suspended indefinitely by Bally Sports Detroit due to the way he described what the Tigers should do when Ohtani came to the plate. For Kirk Morrison, I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.